guess we're going to trust this. Uh, all right. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And, uh, and it, is, it is Wednesday, October 28th, um, 8.17 p.m. And the Dodgers are the World Series champions, having bested the Rays in six games in Arlington, Texas. <laughs> in six games. In six games. Oh, I, I fucking love Seinfeld. There is a Seinfeld quote for every moment. Um, there really, that, really is. Like, that's not hyperbole. Oh, yeah. And it's also the best Seinfeld. It's no, there's, no, there's no slouches. They're all winners. Um, anyway, the Dodgers won 3-1. Uh, to one, And, of course, because that score isn't inherently interesting, there had to be drama. And there was. So there was drama on a couple different points. Let's start with the game drama, and then we'll move into the um, off, but also on the field drama. (laughs) So this game was started by Ray's former Cy Young winning pitcher, uh, Blake Snell. And Blake Snell came out to do fucking business. I mean, my God, that was disgusting. It was a treat to watch. Yeah, seriously, I was rooting for the Dodgers in this game, and I still was just wrapped up in Blake Snell's performance for how in the moment, of the moment, uh, it was. I mean, he was perfect. He was absolutely not literally perfect in a baseball sense because that has other meanings, but he was flawless. Um, he was as what, good as you can reasonably ever expect someone to pitch, especially in a World Series game. Absolutely. Uh, through five innings, he had allowed uh, one hit, no runs, gotten nine strikeouts, faced 18 batters, thrown 73 pitches, 48 strikes to 19 balls. Um, sorry, that, sorry, that's not the right amount of balls. My bad. You have two um, balls, Josh. Any more is a concern, and you should see a doctor. Yes. Uh, sorry, 48 strikes on 25 balls. My mistake. Um, he had uh, 16 swinging strikes, 13 strikes looking. I mean, really, he have had induced four ground balls and five fly ball outs. I mean, he he had himself a nice fucking day. Top of the fifth inning, gets a quick pop out, allows a hit, and his day's over. So he leaves the the game with 5.1 innings pitched. And you might be saying, 5.1 innings pitched ain't a lot of innings. No, it's not. 73 pitches doesn't sound like a lot of pitches. No, it's not. And the rationale that we can only assume is what was employed here is that they didn't want Blake Snell to face the third time through the order. And we'll get into that in a bit of detail in a moment, I'm sure. Um, But, God damn it, I just don't fucking get... I just don't fucking get it, man. I just don't fucking... 
And this is the same team. And again, we'll get into to the whole why the third time through the order should be heavily scrutinized here. But this is the same team that in game one let Tyler Glass now throw 112 pitches and face 23 batters over 4.1 innings and allowing six runs, might I add, um, let him just fucking hang out to dry. But Blake Snell, Cy Young winning Blake Snell, is throwing a one-hitter with nine strikeouts, has faced fewer batters, has thrown 40 fewer pitchers, and you're going to reasonably say, in a just a baseball sense, yeah, that was the right call. It's one of those things where, oh, like I heard someone say today, like, oh, I, I get like the analytics of it, uh, but like what analytics would tell you to do this? Like, and, sure, in a season-long situation, yeah, you're going to end up with a better situation. Sure, mathematically, you know, over the course of a season with a normal pitcher or, you know, even with Blake Snell, okay, you might have a better situation to set up. But this this isn't a normal situation. This is the World Series. This is something that, you know, doesn't just appear as a stat sheet when it like it's not another normal game you could chalk up to being just a normal game. And I just don't get why this would be the chance to do that. And I don't even know if it was an analytics decision. And that, that the the analytics behind it, we we will certainly get to relatively momentarily. Um but but I just no no part of this let's again leave the analytics to the side understanding that that is how they base this decision but I want to talk about the concept of analytics versus reality analytics in terms of the entirety of MLB pitching over the course of a season would probably dictate that yes a a, a pitcher generic human pitcher in the MLB, probably fares worse third time through the order than times one and two. Enough so that moving to a reliever is a good move, regardless of how early in the game you are. However, there are obvious exceptions to that. And I don't just mean going and leaving someone in for the third time through the order, or also the contrary. Pulling somebody before they get three times through the order. That should be on the table, too. And that one's obvious. Because if you let the pitcher go up there and he allows, like, six home runs in the first two innings, you're going to go, yeah, you know what? We shouldn't leave him in there any longer than we just did. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, that guy should be should be gone. Everyone would agree with that. He didn't have it. But if you are willing to concede the he didn't have it, you must also be willing con- to concede the he had it. And last night, Blake Snell had it. I-, I don't know what more you could have possibly wanted out of him. He was on. And we can sit here and disagree over hot or not hot or on or not on. But we have all seen it. And it might statistically even out over a long-term uh, sample size. But that is not the fucking World Series, man. That's not the fucking World Series. There is no 
regression to the mean in the World Series. It is either you are playing well that day or you are not. And that is the only decision that matters. That's what makes it fucking weird in terms of baseball. You, There is no long-term perspective in the World Series. You do what you got to do. And I can't believe this is the choice they went with. And it's not like this is game one where you're like, all right, you don't want to stretch him long because you might need him game. You know, you might need to rush him back because of this exact situation of, oh, we're facing a our best pitcher. Guess what? This is your best pitcher by far coming in and having his best game of the season and is absolutely dominating every single player on the Dodgers. Not to mention the next guys coming up, the next three guys in order. Uh, I forget. It was Mookie Betts. It was Corey Seager. Seager, Justin Turner. Justin Turner, okay. We're combined 0 for 6 with 6 strikeouts. 0 for 6 with 6 strikeouts. What, like, how are you going to get better with your bullpen? How is that variance that you're going to get with a bullpen going to increase your chances of winning? And that, that's, this is an excellent segue into the, the analytics part of this conversation, which is Mookie Betts isn't hitting lefties well this year. So Mookie Betts is coming up. And if we look at Mookie Betts versus left-handers, all right, let me uh, get it up here in front of me. Mookie Betts is hitting, um, oh, hold on a second. I just fucking had it. I goddamn lost it. Sorry, hold on one second. I can take this out later. Oh, God damn it! Where the fuck was it, man? What are you looking for? I had Mookie Betts' specific stats up for this part of the conversation. Because this had been a talking point. Huh? I was just saying, ooh, gotcha. Yeah, because this... Actually, I'll just segue it on in. This has been a talking point throughout the postseason because it was a talking point throughout the regular season. That Mookie Betts just hasn't been hitting lefties this year. Mookie Betts's um, OPS on right-handed batting, right-handed pitching this year, one thousand sixty-one. Do you know what Mookie Betts's uh, OPS on left-handed pitching was this year? I'm going to go with less. Literally half, five thirty-one. Oh. It's not Literally good. Half. Like, that's, that's the analytics you look at. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I, really I, just, I don't get any of it, man. I, I fucking know, man. I fucking know. It, it's, it's fucking stupid. It's fu- and, and the guy that they brought in was Nick Anderson, right-hander. You know what Nick Anderson throws more often than any other pitch? A fastball. A fastball. You know what Mookie Betts' best hit to pitch to hit is? Like every other batter in the known universe? <laughs> a fastball. <laughs> Mookie Betts' um, uh, uh, fucking weighted on base. Sorry. Um, uh, 
slugging percent on fastballs. Wait, hold on. Why do I have? Oh, because that's lefty. Sorry. There we go. Mookie Betts is slugging on fastballs from a right-hander. 248. Sorry, sorry, 748. 748. His slugging on fastballs from right-handers is 748 slugging. Just slugging. His slugging percent on fastballs from lefties this season, 242. It's 500 points worse. But don't worry, this is an analytics decision. And then let's talk about Blake Snell. So, you know, third time through the order. That sounds pretty scary. It sounds like we might not want that, right? How, uh, so, so in 2020, um, Blake Snell, uh, first time through, first time through the order. Let me see. I, I just want to make sure I get it right. Times facing opponent. All right, here we go. Uh, his OPS, the first time through the order in 2020, is a 462 OPS. Super low. That's stupid low. <clears throat> Second time through the order, it jumps way up to 977. That's pretty high. His third time through the order, it's 913. It actually gets lower. So that can't. So, but all right, you know, 2020, short season. Let's look at 2019, shall we? In 2019, his uh, his his first time through the order, OPS is 671. Second time through the order, 730. Went up. Third time through the order, 716. It also went down last year. Blake Snell, not bad. Third time through the order. I don't even know if this was a decision that was based off of the analytics we're even bringing up. I don't know what Kevin Cash's response was and if he was even asked about why he would do such a thing. But I don't think this was anything more than, hmm, I see that's Mookie Betts coming up. We should get a fresh pitcher in there. And he just went with it. And you know what? I, I'm not saying it's a good decision, but like, at the end of the day, if it really wasn't, if it was just like that gut feeling with whatever it was, yeah, it was a stupid decision, but I don't get upset at that than someone claiming, hey, this is what analytics told us to do because they clearly don't. But even- I'd rather have a, a poor decision with just a lack of just trying to like get the minuscule like perfect probable decisions and being like ah i think he's slipping then oh this is what information told us to do when it it clearly just doesn't but that that's what i'm trying to say is that if whether you're looking at this from from the the real the the real life scenario of our best pitcher our literal ace the man who literally just won a cy young like two years ago, so not like a crazy long time ago, is pitching very well in what is potentially our last game of the season that we need to win to continue to play baseball. Or we can pull him for Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson, who has allowed at least one earned run in each of his last seven appearances. Nick Anderson's last seven appearances, going back to his final appearance in the ALDS, this whole postseason, 
the past seven games that he has been in, he has pitched a total of 10 innings and allowed eight earned runs for an ERA of 720. He is allowing a batting average of 341, an OPS of, sorry, on base percent of 400, a slugging of 610, and an OPS of 1010. He is not playing good baseball right now. And I I get that, again, if you want to extrapolate Nick Anderson out over the course of a whole season, he's clearly probably not this guy since Tampa Bay is very good at picking at part their, their pitching. In 2020, he had a... Uh, hold on, am I looking? Yeah. Uh, in 2020, he had, um, he had an OPS allowed of 320. So clearly, clearly a good pitcher. He had an ERA this season. Um, in in 16.1 innings of 0.55, clearly a good pitcher. The postseason is not built around small sample, is not built around large sample sizes. It is built around small sample sizes, and that is stupid. I know because it's literally not how you play baseball and how you orchestrate a team around the sport of baseball. But guess what? Doesn't fucking matter. So, like, literally, there's no way to justify this decision in my mind because either they took Blake Snell out because they and, – and Kevin Cash said that he is a firm believer in third time through the order and that pitchers shouldn't go three times through the order, which, again, is bullshit because Tyler Glass now, like, literally last week in the World Series. Um, and they did that, and the best they could fucking come up with was Nick Anderson – because also, I mean, there's just so many layers to this. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm running so deep on this. But in, in game f- five, yeah, they had used Aaron Loop, Diego Castillo, Ryan Sheriff, and Ryan Thompson. Those are their best pitchers in the postseason so far. So those guys are all, in theory, I guess, shot. Because why else would you not bring them the fuck in? Um, and instead, they brought in who is, statistically speaking, their worst reliever in a one-run game. And then elimination one-run game. Like, Nick Anderson's win championship win probability added is the lowest on the entire Tampa Bay Rays pitching staff. I just, I hate this so fucking much. I, I know. Because I, there's no defend, there's no angle to defend it. The, I, the only angle I can think of is, man, we really don't want Blake Snell to come back to the Rays. <laughs> that's the only as I think his contract's up. Like I think that's I think that's all I think that's it. We really like being the the small payroll, you know, stereotype team. We want to keep it that way. We don't want to pay Blake Snell any money. <laughs> oh, sorry. He is signed through 2023. So he will oh, be so there. he's there forever. All right. Well, that was a stupid voice wasted. Well, hey, they could always trade him. Oh my god! I like. I just, I just can't wrap my head around how goddamn mind-bogglingly stupid. And don't get me wrong, this is coming from a guy who rooted for the Dodgers this World Series, and is not a fan of Kevin Cash having to as as someone who has to play against him because I find him to be a very irritating person. Um, and I stand by that based on this decision making. He is such a cocky little dick. I can't stand him. Um, but so- I usually respect his decision making 
And so this is confusing because he's usually a better decision maker than this and satisfying because I think he sucks. So he was in a pretty good position in the AL to win manager of the year. I would even argue he could be the front runner right now. Do you think this is going to significantly impact that decision now? Because oh, of how no. monumental of a manager's decision it would be. Uh, no, um, because award voting is regular season only, and I think is actually also already done. Oh. Well, then, okay. <laughs> so, fuck you. <laughs> it would have been a good thing to talk about, though, if it was possible. If it was. Um, so here, let's, let's give a quick summary of the 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 world series um in terms of some some little statisticos before we talk about the other thing that happened during the world series <laughs> um because goddamn anyway um we will get there in a moment so like like we said at the top of the show the dodgers took the series in six games they're the dodgers best hitter by win probability added was no shit Corey Seager, um, your your World Series MVP. Who'd have thunk it? Their best hitter by championship win probability added was Corey Seager. <laughs> um, the worst player on the Dodgers in terms of win probability added, somewhat surprisingly considering how well he played earlier in the postseason, was Will Smith at negative point three one. And for championship win probability added negative twelve point eight seven percent. And he coach- kind of cost him that one game. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, he he definitely shares responsibility there with a terrible play by uh, Chris Taylor. Um, yeah. And then also a bad look for Kenley Jansen for not backing him up. Game four was a was a was a mess. Uh, yeah, anyway, rough from Kenley. Cody Bellinger. Negative 0.1 win probability added. Negative 5% championship win probability added. Those are your worst players. Um, not that it matters since they won. Uh, it, the Rays' best player. <laughs> the Rays' best player by win probability added was Brett Phillips. <laughs> With his one at-bat and his one hit uh-huh. and his one RBI. Wow. 0.81. He had a championship win probability added of 29.2% from his one at bat. Oh, I love that so much. That's fucking that I don't like this stat anymore. That's a dumb stat. Well, it, he only had positive and he never had any opportunities to go negative or even less positive to just bring it down by average, but goddamn. So their true leader in win probability added was Kevin Kiermeyer. At 0.38, championship win probability added of 15.49, followed by Yandy Diaz and G-Man Choi. Their worst player by win probability added was Willie Adamas at negative 0.46. Willie Adamas, who did not bring his bat to the postseason, apparently, um, as he had three hits. Are you trying to say Willie Adams? Yeah, Willie Adams um, with that one extra pesky vowel. Uh, 21 plate appearances, three hits. Um, one one RBI and no walks. God damn! Wow. Um, so Willie Adams a negative twenty percent win championship win probability added. The next two worst players were Austin Meadows and Mike Zanino. 
The Dodgers' best pitcher by win probability added was Clayton Kershaw at 0.43, followed by with it with a championship win probability added of 17%, followed by our boy Julio Urias uh, with a 0.35 win probability added and a 15% championship win probability added, representing the Mexicanos over there in Los Angeles. Very proud of you, my guy. Um, the worst Dodger pitcher by win probability added, no fucking surprise, Kenley Jansen at negative 0.75 and a championship win probability added of negative 27%. Um, when is Oof. his contract? Yeah, right? I mean, Oof. yeah. He, when's I don't his care contract? what you say. That number is a tough one to hear. Yeah, that is disgustingly bad. Um, for reference, oh shit! This upcoming season is Kenley Jansen's last year in Dodgers blue. Twenty twenty one is the final year of his contract. We'll see if that holds. At least he has a year year to redeem himself, and this isn't the you know final taste that they have in their mouth on Kenley Jansen. That's a weird sentence. I'm regret saying <laughs> it. Oh god. Oh. oh god. Um, the Rays' best pitcher by win probability added was no shit Blake Snell. At 0.45, a championship win probability added of 20.4%, followed by Ryan Thomas and John Curtis. Their worst pitcher by win probability added, no shit. Can I just say that he he pitches that gem of a game and still has a lower win probability added than a fucking single at-bat? That's bullshit. Hey, well, <laughs> that shit is what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the the worst pitcher on the Tampa Bay Rays this this World Series was no shit Nick Anderson, negative zero point five three, and a championship win probability added of negative twenty two and a half, followed by Tyler Glass now and Charlie Morton. Um, so Corwin, all in all. Before we talk about JT, what did you think of this World Series? Um, you know, I didn't get to watch as much of it as I wanted to just because my schedule was so batshit insane. I, like, I just didn't have time to sit down and watch it. Um, that being said, I wish it was two teams I cared more about because, goddamn, what happened on the field was phenomenal was I don't want to say historic, but it was so chaotic that it made for such an amazing series. Would have loved to watch a game seven. That would have been something else. Um but I mean I, I don't know how you could have any complaints about this series unless you're a fan of the Rays. Yeah, and it, it the the Rays really got the Dodgers treatment here in terms of uh how they lost this series, it being on the back <laughs> of managerial decisions. But yeah, this was this was a lot more enjoyable of a series than I thought it would be. Game one was a wild start with the Dodgers taking that big early lead. Game two kept it interesting with the the Rays being able to stay on top of it. Nick Anderson earning his win of the series didn't realize he even had had one. Uh, game three, another Dodgers big shellacking. Game four was seriously one of the most most fun postseason games I can remember watching. Um, 
Game five was great because you got a, a, a wonderful outing from Clayton Kershaw, really solidifying what was uh, a really great postseason run from him um, and really putting his mark on this World Series and this Dodgers championship. And then game six with the uh, controversy controversy of the uh, Blake Snell decision-making along with the Dodgers actually clinching their first World Series since 1988. And uh, I'm not trying to say nothing here, but, you know, the last time the Rays lost the World Series, Yankees won it the next year. So, watch out. I mean, I don't know what you're saying because they're clearly going to be like the favorite team in the AL to win the World Series next year. So, Look, I'm, I'm just saying that the last time the Rays lost in the World Series, Yankees won it the next year, and we elected Barack Obama. So, like, Ooh. check it. Check what's about well, to happen. I can't really, I can't really get upset now. No, you can't. No, you can't. Let's elect, let's elect Barack happen. Obama again. All right. All right. Oh, rock, Bamama. That's who we're going to. That's gonna, my guy. He's going to be Barack in, in one of those uh, Groucho Marx masks, fake glasses. Would you give up the ability to have a child one day in order to like get Barack Obama to come on our podcast for two hours? No. I might. That's sad. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, like, other people can have kids. Like, you could be a fun uncle. You only get one Barack Obama, though. Yeah, but you can have a bunch of kids. Kids are great. I like kids. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's pivot over to, to what is... Sadly, depending, uh, no, sadly in every respect, the more discussed aspect of yesterday's fanfare than the Dodgers actually winning the World Series is Justin Turner. So Justin Turner got pulled from this game, the game that the Dodgers would ultimately go on to win the World Series as a result of, as um, it a positive coronavirus test came back mid-game and he was forced to leave in order to follow MLB coronavirus guidelines and, and um, precautions. And let's take that first because that is nonsense. I mean, outside of what happened next, which we will obviously get to, the fact that that happened is already an immense failure on the MLB's part because this isn't the regular season where you had the St. Louis Cardinals going to casinos and the Miami Marlins doing whatever the fuck they did that they got sick from, you know, like they're in bubbles. This was a bubble situation. This is the first time out of all, out of the three leagues that have done bubbles that anybody got sick in a bubble. How did you let that happen? Uh, I mean, if you want an answer, it's just either gross negligence or gross oversight. I mean, obviously, you know, it's pretty clear Justin Turner doesn't give a shit. I think it's pretty clear baseball doesn't really give a shit about the actual, you know, 
what's the term I'm looking for? The actual effectiveness of these plans. Gotcha. You know, I I think this is everyone just, you know, MLB wanted, ooh, shit, my mic just fell. Uh, MLB wants to have the appearance of being safe so people don't get on them and whatever. They can continue to have a season and make money and be able to say that they have a have a full season. They don't actually give a shit about the effectiveness of these procedures and keeping players and people safe. I don't know. I am just so fed up with all of this. I am sh- sure you are as well. It, I, I am. We, we've been talking about this for literally the past like six, seven, eight months. Um, and you know, we've talked about it with, with baseball. We talked about it with football in terms of our disappointment. We've talked about it with the NHL and the NBA in terms of our um, pleas- ple- pleasure and how they've handled the situation. This is astonishing to me because we are either to believe that Justin Turner got sick, which means that somebody somewhere broke protocol and nobody told anybody and nothing happened where in the NBA bubble you had the snitch line and there was people players getting snitched at for picking up their own seamless orders and shit, their own DoorDash orders and shit to make sure that the bubble wasn't fucked with. But Justin Turner, who's got his fucking wife with him, can apparently break protocol or somebody within the organization that came into contact with Justin Turner can somehow be able to spread this illness around with nobody saying shit or Justin Turner got a false positive in the middle of the World Series and they let him play the game anyway. That's the other part about it, that no matter how we want to shake it down, whether it ends up being a false positive that we find out later in the week mm-hmm. or that it was a true positive and he has to be quarantined until he gets over it, they let him fucking play. That What? What? You weren't sure if a dude had actual literal coronavirus or not and you let him play in a game? I know it's the World Series, man. I know it's the World Series. There's some things more important, like life. That, I think, is the most telling aspect of all of this. Him, you know, being pulled from the game, you know, after getting a second test, sure, but that's still the, you know, a repercussion, you know, that situation only exists because they let him play in the first place. Him getting back onto the field, you, you know, as awful as that is, and I'm sure we'll get deeper into it about, like, how awful of a decision that was by him. You could chalk that up to, oh, he slipped through, you know, he snuck back in on his own accord. Security wasn't able to get to him, didn't know where he was on the field, whatever. It's something that happened, sure, but that's on him. This is on MLB wholeheartedly, and it's unfathomable that they, they had the information they had. He tested positive, and they said, it's an elimination game. It's only one game. That's fine. That's such fucking bullshit. Yeah, because again, you can't you can't tell Justin Turner. You know, you can't be like, all right, Justin. Look, man, we got we got. They said it was an inconclusive test, the first one, not not positive. They got the positive result back 
during the game, but the first one was inconclusive. So you can't go to Justin Turner and say, hey, man, we got an inconclusive test. You want to play? You feeling okay? This isn't like he's got a sore shoulder, you know, or, or some tightness in a quad, and you're asking him if he can play through it. It's a public health issue, not private health issue. It is a public health issue, man. People are here with their goddamn wives and children. Like, you can't just do whatever the fuck you want. But the thing is, I, I don't blame Justin Turner, the athlete, for being like, yeah, I want to play in an elimination game. That's the whole point, that this should be an MLB decision because you can't rely on players to, be, to say, no, I am not going to play in an elimination game on my own accord because they're not going to do that. That's like preaching abstinence. Guess what? Everybody fucking doesn't matter. Yeah, no true. one cares. It's it, everybody fucking. And You're fucking right now. And hey, why are you listening? <laughs> um, <laughs> and that and that brings it to the second part is that after the Dodgers ultimately won the game, Justin Turner went back onto the field, and that raises the next question of how did that happen? Where was he? <laughs> that he was just allowed to sneak past security? Either he, either Justin Turner pulled some Albert Bell secret agent spy bullshit, or there was no security, and MLB's lying. Like, I, if, if you ask me what really happened, in my opinion, my opinion is this. Someone came up to, just, to Dave Roberts and said, Justin Turner tested positive, you've got to pull him for the rest of the game. And Dave Roberts said, okay, pull Justin Turner. And then he just sat in the tunnel unsupervised maybe there was a guy with him maybe not and then when the Dodgers won the World Series he just left and nobody even tried to stop him because I guarantee you man the way MLB approaches this is probably the way MLB approaches everything which is it is much easier for us to say we will investigate afterwards than it is for us to take blame for something currently happening it is the exact Mm -hmm. same thing they just did with the Astros cheating scandal it's what they'll do every time. It's much easier for them to say, we're going to launch an investigation than it is for them to say, hey, this is some fucked up shit happening right now, and here's what we're going to do about it. I, I don't get why they... And then they blame the players. They always have to fucking blame the players afterwards. And it's like, yeah, I know. We all know. Everyone knows the players are going to do stupid shit. NBA players kept bringing chicks into the, the bubble to fuck. Everyone knows it's going to happen. Everybody. It's your job to be the adult in the fucking room, man. I, uh, it's it's mind-blowing that they are going to blame Justin Turner for this, which, don't get me wrong, he deserves some blame for not having the wherewithal to be like, hey, this isn't just about me. I, I can celebrate with the guys later. It's not that big of a deal. I understand it is a really big deal, but for context's sake, I mean, we're talking about a national crisis. Um, mm-hmm. You can't expect him to be that rational in the moment. You have to take that decision-making out of his hands and be the fucking adult in the goddamn room. And Robert Manfred has decided he never will be. No. And we've known that for a while now. Um, another thing that's just eating away at me is Justin Turner thinks this is totally okay because he felt fine. I have no symptoms. I feel fine. Hey, We're man. like nine months into this. We all know that has nothing to do with it. We know being asymptomatic has nothing to do with your ability to both have and transmit the virus. No, I just am so beyond 
I, I don't even know the right vocab word to use. I'm just so fucking angry that he is both a big enough asshole. I called him inconsiderate earlier when I was talking about this, and that's just nowhere near close enough to the severity of what he did. He's such a fucking asshole that he would put all of these other people in danger, including his recently cancer-stricken head coach, who has a serious had a serious form of cancer and has very serious repercussions when it comes to the safety and health of his immune system, putting all these other people at risk because you don't give a shit. It's fucking criminal. And the fact he could just play it off as, eh, I felt fine. You're just fucking stupid at that point. And there's no excuse because it's been eight months of knowing better. Nine months of knowing better, of having this information thrown in your fucking face. And you're playing in the MLB where this, the guidelines and rules set in place told you every bit of information you needed to know about the dangers involved. And you still don't give a shit about anyone else involved other than yourself. I don't care. I don't care that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Guess what? The entire globe has changed because of it in the past year. So did baseball. You can take fucking 20 minutes, an hour, to sit on your ass in the fucking tunnel, let everyone else you know, be on the field together, not wearing masks, if you want to put a mask on, if you want to keep your distance and be out there just to just revel in the atmosphere, I, of course, 100% would understand because this is a lifetime op- time opportunity. But he didn't even come close to trying to take the responsible path. I just, I am fuming over this. Oh, and and very much so, rightfully so. Uh, First thing I want to note is that for anybody listening who is unaware, and I do not know how you're unaware eight months, nine months into this, even if you do later develop crushing symptoms, like hospital-like symptoms, you will still not have any symptoms for the first handful of days that you technically have coronavirus. It takes a while for it to fully germinate into your system to the point that you are feeling symptoms. So the fact that Justin Turner just came back with a positive test yesterday and is feeling fine is exactly what you would expect from someone who in two weeks might end up in the ICU. Like it literally doesn't matter. It's not even an asymptomatic versus symptomatic thing. It's just so early that even if he's going to eventually get symptoms like Freddie Freeman did in the MLB, by the way, um, it, it, he's not going to feel him yet. So what he feels in this moment doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. If the MLB wanted to try to accommodate him so he could be with his team on the field, they could have done that. I kept watching this like, why isn't Justin Turner just running around by himself in the outfield? Like, you can, you can even put down the trophy, walk away, and then let him come up to it and hoist it up. With gloves on. You can put gloves down next. To, like You could have made accommodations for this. In theory, they had like an hour. Seriously, this is shit I was thinking of while it was happening. 
And the only planning it would have taken would be, hey, JT, take take the the tunnel over to the to the bullpen so that you don't interact with any players in the field, and then come out of the bullpen wall door to the outfield. We'll have the trophy waiting for you. Well, fuck, man. If his wife wanted to go, fucking let her go. Who gives a shit about those two? You guys are going to quarantine together anyway, I would assume. So if, if that's the choice she wants to make, go right ahead. And then, we'll, you know, you guys can celebrate out there. We can, we can zoom the camera back far enough that in the World Series team photo, you're still in it uh, in a wide shot. And you can run around as much as you fucking want in the outfield. Like, and then just have people, actual adult people there to make sure he doesn't disobey that. Or say, fuck you and put him in his goddamn hotel room. Literally anything other than what you did. And again, for Justin Turner, dude, no one gives a shit about you. Outside of you winning the World Series today, the fact that you felt good, the fact that you felt fine, the fact that you wanted to hang out with your friends, doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. If one of your teammates ends up carrying an illness that you gave them back to somebody in their lives, and they die as a result of it, like 230,000 other Americans, no one's going to give a fuck that they got it because you felt the need to celebrate with your friends. No one gives a shit about you, dude. I don't... Honestly, I wouldn't even be terribly upset if he did end up in the ICU in two weeks. I don't care how awful you think that makes me. I don't care. He put fucking dozens of other people at risk of the same fate because he doesn't give a shit and you reap what you sow. If you are that callous towards the people around you, your fucking teammates and their families, you deserve every ounce of it. And I, I just because just I, I had so many thoughts when this was happening. Even if all of the individual Dodgers and Dodger um, coaches and whatnot all were of the mindset that we want to take the risk and have Justin celebrate with us. That's fine. Let that happen later. If I'm MLB, if I'm Robert Manfred, I say, yes, if everybody is okay with it, I guess I can't stop you, which is a lie, but I'd say that. But in terms of the optics of the situation, we need to be a leader and show that we are taking this seriously. And that means that he cannot be on the field so long as he has tested positive because those are our guidelines. And instead they said, oh man, he sure is slippery. Like what? I don't get why you want this. And you can, you know what? They're going to, they're going to investigate and they're going to find out that Justin Turner scampered away from his, from his, his very adept security detail um, and broke all the protocols. And he's going to get a 20 game suspension or some bullshit. And it doesn't matter. This isn't like the cheating scandal where it's like, ah, we're all fucking mad. But at the end of the day, like it didn't affect anything off the field. Um, well, it it kind of did, but not worth the discussion. It didn't affect anything non-baseball-ish. Um, this does. This absolutely does. In every way. Oh, I would say I, I can't wait for the punishment to get passed down, but 
I mean, we all know there isn't going to be one. Uh, the punishment is 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 Justin Turner has to make out with Rob Manfred. Uh, the punishment is the Yankees lose a draft pick. Nah, we're not using them anyway. <laughs> Touche. They're so low in the draft. Who cares? We're winners. We got we got Jason Dominguez coming up. Who who gives a fuck about anything else? Exactly. I hope you're ready to hit. Watch a, watch a seventeen year old stroke dongs, man. That's all I ever want to see. Uh, uh, anything else you want to talk about with the World Series? It just Congratulations sucks that this to the Dodgers. Is, it just sucks that this is what we're really talking about right now. You know, like. Yep. And 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 it, and it sucks. On Kevin that's, that's what I'm saying. Like like whether whether we're talking positively about the Dodgers or negatively about the Rays, it just sucks that this is coronavirus is still in this conversation. Like, man, we've been putting up with this shit. You and I, in terms of this podcast, and then like you and I in our regular 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 lives, putting up with this bullshit for eight fucking months. Now it's been in the country since December of last year, but it's really been noticeable in in the public sphere in the U.S. for like eight months. And baseball was like finally starting to feel like it wasn't in the baseball conversation, you know. Like, and no MLB player or coach had tested positive for the last like fifty something days. Like, it'd been like almost two months without any positive tests in MLB, and it was good. It was feeling kind of normal. There was. Some fans in the stands, which is weird and uncomfortable, but like the crowd noise at least made it feel a little bit more realistic. And you took that for whatever it was. Um, the the baseball still looked like baseball. It was. It felt like the World Series, even though it was a short season. Like it felt kind of normal. And they fucking ruined it. That this is what we're talking about because we have to. Any uh any bold predictions for what bullshit's gonna happen in the off season or into next season? Oh, I think there's gonna be a whole lot. Um, mm. I I, I we, really, huh? I was saying I I guess we could also save this for the bold predictions episode that we still have to do. Yeah, once the uh, once the major awards get announced, hopefully, which should be within the next couple of weeks, um. So we'll finally get the chance to talk about it, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's see what the Red Sox do with all their um, uh, contract flexibility or whatever, whatever it is they called it. Payroll, payroll flexibility. That's what they called it when they got rid of Mookie Betts. Let's see what the Red Sox do with all their payroll flexibility. But no, that's it. True, Mike Trout. Ha, yeah, no chance. You know what the sad thing is right now, though? It's uh, no more baseball for six months. Yeah, for real, though. For real, what the fuck am I supposed to watch on Wednesday night now? I don't know. What the fuck is on on Wednesday night? I mean, yeah, I do that every day. But, like, you know, I I can switch from Monday night baseball to Monday night football, Thursday night baseball to Thursday night football. You know, I got football on on Sundays. The fuck... The fuck do you watch on a Wednesday night? Ugh. That's the hard part about baseball for me. No, not having it. Is that even if the Yankees aren't on or the Yankees are playing poorly or 
you know, or if it's the postseason, your team's not in it. Hey, man, baseball's on. <laughs> not right now. Going to the dark ages. Anyway, uh, I don't think I have anything, anything else. Do you? No. Well, this was a, this was a very salty episode from us. It's good. I miss these episodes. Yeah, we haven't had the opportunity to be mad about anything other than the Jets in a while. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jets, fuck you. If you thought, if you Jets out there thought I was going to go a whole episode without saying it, you're wrong. Fuck you. I uh, I was on a call at work the other day, and uh, it's a new job, so one of the guys on the call was like, oh, Josh, uh, what team do you root for? And I was like, oh, I'm a Jets fan. And he just kind of pauses, and he goes, you're very brave for admitting that. And I was like, Which yep. Is the correct, correct reaction to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't even hurt anymore, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I remember when this used to be like a point of argument between us, and now it's just like, this is reality. Well, the Jets look like they used to be on the upswing, and... <laughs> And, and here then, we are. Then year two of Todd Bowles came around, and we haven't been the same since. Uh, anyway, 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 anyway. All right, um, I guess that's it for today. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. If you want to hear Corwin and I talk about movies, you can do so um, by checking out the podcast Juicing the Big Screen two of us talk about movies and if you want to hear me talk about music you can check that out at a podcast called you can't be serious and uh if you no that's it that's all i had to plug oh wait if you want shirts without shit on it check that out we have a teespring page look up juice the numbers for the only thing that exists under that tag um <laughs> and that's why we chose the name of this podcast and uh until monday y'all have a good one bye